Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Idaho State Board of Education has wide-ranging policymaking authority, both in K-12 and higher education. It makes Idaho's board one of the most powerful of its kind in the nation, and it certainly makes for a busy State Board of Education. To catch up, I sat down this week with Kurt Liebeck, the president of the State Board, and Executive Director Matt Freeman to talk about coronavirus, the Delta variant, and the ongoing debate over indoctrination and critical race theory. Here's our interview. Well, Kurt, thank you for taking the time to catch up with us this week. I mean, it hasn't exactly been a slow start for you as State Board President. I mean, you kind of jumped into the middle of, of a lot of issues. Any surprises so far? Well, obviously, you know, I joined the board uh, in the first quarter of 2020 uh, before anybody had heard of COVID. So obviously my biggest surprise uh, in my first year was just the realities of dealing with a global pandemic and all the impact that has had on our education system, both in K-12 and, and higher ed. And we're back in the middle of it. I mean, as we sit here and interview, we're, we're back wearing face masks. We're back in the middle of dealing with another wave of this. As you look at where we are right now in August with the Delta variant, seemingly taking off and, and taking hold in Idaho. How prepared do you think the schools are, the K-12 schools and the, the colleges and universities? Well, I, yeah, in one sense, it's really frustrating. I, you know, I left, uh, right before, left the state right before the 4th of July and was thinking we were going to continue to trend down and school would begin uh, and look a lot like 2019, much more normalized. And obviously within 30 days, uh, that's all changed. Uh, if you look at our infection rates today, if you look at where we are from a hospital capacity standpoint, you know, we're in worse shape sitting here in early August today than we were a year ago. And obviously that's going to have an impact on uh, our fall semester. Um, but to answer your question, I think we're much better prepared this year. You know, if you think a year, a year ago, um, we had never had kids in school. We didn't have any idea how uh, the mitigation um, strategies would work. And uh, we all learned together. All of our local school boards learned. Um, the healthcare providers learned. Um, our higher institu ed institutions all had students on campus. So I think we really understand now the mitigation that needs to be put in place to keep kids in school. And, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that while we might have a few bumps in the road here in the fall, that we're going to have more kids uh, in school this year than we did last year, even with the Delta uh, the, the Delta variant uh, swirling around. But it feels like a very different scenario right now because on the one hand, you've got teachers and staff have been able to get vaccinated and students haven't been able to, been, they aren't able to get vaccinated, especially, you know, kids under 12, 12 can't right. get vaccinated. And even when you look at the high school and even college vaccination numbers, they're pretty low. Yeah, no, I, I, th I think that's right. I mean, it would be great if our vaccination rates were higher. Um, you know, we are, um, I thought the governor was very wise uh, last year when he prioritized K-12 educators to, to get the vaccine first. So I feel pretty good about the vaccination rates within our uh, educators community. But yeah, I mean, clearly our vaccination rates among our students, uh, and as you suggest, you know, kids under 12 still aren't eligible for the vaccine, but clearly um, our vaccination rates are not as high as they need to be. And, uh, and so we're not 
to, if we're going to stick handle through this, it's not just going to be because of the vaccine. We're going to have to have other mitigation in place, whether it's uh, masks or social distancing or uh, better uh, uh, sanitation. Uh, all the things we learned last year, we're going to have to have in place, at least in the first 60 days, I think, uh, to, to minimize the disruptions. But I, I think we'd be naive to think we're not going to have disruptions throughout the state, um, much like we did last fall. And we're just, but we, we know how to deal with it. We know how, how to contact Trace. We know how to, uh, had a quarantine. Um, we, we know all those things we need to do to keep our, our schools open at night, but I expect we're going to have to be dealing with this this fall. Describe a little bit the state board's role at this point in going forward, because compared to what other states are doing in terms of education policy, it's a lot more of an advisory role right now. I mean, you, you can't mandate vaccines, you're not mandating masks in schools. So what is that role? Well, I think it's a little different between K-12 and higher ed. So let me just speak to, to K-12. Um, we're a local control state, uh, as you well know, and I have full confidence in our local school boards to make the right decisions. And, you know, I think we're much better prepared, even at the local school board level, to make the right decisions. You know, they over over the last year, they've developed relationships with local medical providers. Um, I think they're a lot smarter about the conversations that are going to take place here. And so, it, you know, as it comes to K-12, I think our role is just to make sure they have the right data. Um, I think it's, I, I don't, I'm not sure our state sitting here where you and I are today really understand the magnitude of what's coming at us with Delta. I mean, we are seeing increases in infection rates, but I, I think we're just sort of at the tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, what may transpire over the next 30 days. So I think our role as a state board is to make sure our school boards have the information they need to make the right decisions. And then uh, with most issues, I have enormous confidence in our local school boards that they'll, they'll uh, do the right things to uh, maximize the probability that our kids are, are in school. Is there a role also then in terms of public awareness? Is there a bully pulpit here? Because as you talk about, there may not be as much awareness about what's at stake here with the Delta variant as opposed to what we were looking at a year ago. I think the state board needs to play a role there, um, but it's not just the state board. I, I think um, it's the state department. I think it's um, all the constituents, whether it's the Idaho Association of uh, School Boards or um, our, our superintendent's uh, organization. I mean, anybody, all these organizations are going to have to uh, use their, as you say, bully pulpit to just make sure we're getting the right information out there, and including our health care providers. I mean, you know, we're not going to prevent people from getting sick during this pandemic, but we got to make sure is that our, our healthcare providers, the St. Luke's, St. Els, Pontiff, I mean, all, all the healthcare providers across the state have the capacity to be able to uh, take care of Idahoans when they need that medical care. And, and as far as the schools, a, a big part of the role is to make sure that they don't become a, a source of a, a spreader. Community spread, yeah, exactly. And I think the big unknown, um, and I've been, as you, I'm sure have, I've been watching other states very carefully. There, there are states uh, like Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, Texas, that seem to be ahead of us on this Delta curve. And uh, the data in terms of how this is impacting uh, elementary school kids is not, uh, is not clear. And so I think we, we just got to be really uh, cautious and really watch the data from, from other parts of the country to understand what potentially could be uh, transpire here in the state. Right, because it seems like what we know at this point is that it seems like the cases for school-aged children are going up, but we don't really know what that means for them or for the community. Precisely. Yeah, and the data that I've seen, and you may have seen different data, the data I've seen from across the country isn't clear on the, in that regard uh, either. 
I want to shift gears to a process that you're in the middle of at the state board level, the, the process of working on the policy on diversity and inclusion on the college campuses. You're much of the way through that. Uh, talk us through how you got to this point and what, uh, what you think the board is hoping to, to do here. Well, if you, if you go back to, this really stems from a lot of the debate that occurred at the last legislative session. And if you heard a lot of the debate and, and concern, I mean, clearly we've all heard the concerns around the, the teaching of critical race theory. Um, that, that concern exists at both the higher ed institutions as well as our K-12 system. But beyond that, there was concern about any program in our higher ed institutions that was related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and uh, you know, as a board, we heard those concerns and we thought a useful first step um, in addressing those concerns was, was to create a common set of definitions. So what we were attempting to do with that uh, first reading of the policy is try to create a definition that everyone can agree on in terms of what, what we mean when we say diversity, equity, inclusion. And then, and then once we uh, have a common definition, I think we can work to, to figure out um, you know, how best to handle those types of issues in our higher ed institutions. Uh, I would argue the same thing needs to happen with a lot of other terms. You know, I, I understand some of the concerns around critical race theory, but again, if we're not specific about what we're talking about there, we can talk past one another without uh, really coming up, up with solutions that everybody can, uh, can be comfortable with. So, um, Matt, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, yeah this, is, this is Matt Freeman, the Executive Director for the State Board of Education. And, and I think I would just add that those, those terms were, were frequently misunderstood or conflated uh, in, in, in the debate uh, during legislative session and they're not synonymous <laughs> uh, and and so uh, we really like Kurt said we just really wanted to take some time to define what those terms actually mean on our campuses uh, and and you know it, it transcends just education it's how in the business community too and and why that's important and you know and it played out this week Kevin at the Kuna uh, school board meeting where there was some concerns expressed at the school board reading uh, by the fact that CUNA had in their strategic plan this notion that they wanted to have an inclusive, an inclusive community. And people, some people take that meaning of inclus inclusive as an example of critical race theory. And so, you know, to me, it, it and as Matt said, you go to any big business here uh, across Idaho and the idea of uh, promoting diversity and equity and inclusion is something that most large corporations are uh, are trying to address. And I th so I just think it's really important that we try to define what it is we're talking about and then collectively work together to uh, find solutions that uh, make sense. And when you really drill down to diversity and inclusion on the campuses, the college and university officials will say that this is really important in terms of trying to address some of the achievement gaps that they have on campuses and, you know, improving those numbers with an eye towards accreditation. I mean, it's it's important to their mission. Yeah, I think we all, all of us believe that uh, our higher ed institutions should have diversity on their campuses that reflect the great diversity in the state of Idaho. I mean, we're a, we're a very diverse state, urban, rural, 
kids that have two parents that went to college, kids that have no uh, parents that went to college. We have uh, Native American uh, citizens. We've got uh, a significant Latino population. So our campuses should reflect uh, the diversity of this great state. And then, you know, we want to create a place where all those all those kids can be successful. And as you suggest, uh, you know, through our accreditation process, we're required to understand whether all types of students are successful on our campuses. And to the extent we have gaps in, in whether students are successful, we're required to come up with strategies to deal with those. So, you know, it's an important topic and, and one that I expect we'll continue to be talking about uh, through the next legislative session. And, and Kevin, I would just add that, I, you know, there's, there's uh, quite a bit of confusion that, uh, that we found during session around, around the term equity. Uh, and uh, what, what we really are trying to emphasize is that the board is interested in equity of opportunity. Uh, and not equality of outcomes. And, and, and people conflate uh, equity and equality, uh, and they're really not, they're not synonymous. They're two different uh, concepts. And we're focused on making sure that you know, the first generation student, the low income student, and the affluent student all have an equitable opportunity to su succeed on our campuses. But even so, I mean, this has been a controversial concept even before we were talking about critical race theory, I mean, going back two years ago to uh, legislators' concerns about inclusion programs at Boise State, I mean, this has been a hot button issue politically. How do you kind of thread that needle? How do you, uh, you know, create a policy that, you know, threads the needle politically as well? Again, I think we're sort of building a bike as we ride it here. Um, it's, that's not, that's a very difficult question to answer. Uh, our, our thought is let's first define the terms. Let's have a common understanding of what we're talking about. And then once we agree on that, we can, with, a, with an open ear, really try to understand what the legislature's concern is and address those specific issues. And all the while that you're doing what you're doing at the state board level, I mean, you're meeting in two weeks, the Lieutenant Governor's Task Force is going to be meeting in two weeks and may come up with very different uh, recommendations on these topics. Uh, how does what the task force is doing, does that have any impact at all on what you're trying to accomplish at the State Board? I mean, we're paying attention. I, you know, I, from the moment uh, the Lieutenant Governor um, formed that task force, uh, I've said that we're going to keep a very a close eye on on what they learn because um, we share I share the same interests as a lieutenant governor I don't want kids indoctrinated in state either so to the extent there are examples of, uh, of indoctrination occurring uh, in our system we clearly well, want to be aware of that and if, if there if the state board needs to act as a result of that we you know our commitment is that we we will um, I've seen precious little evidence to date that uh, we have a system-wide problem, uh, and, and I've said, as I said before, you know, in a system as large as ours, where we have 300,000 kids and tens of thousands of teachers, I, you know, I'm not surprised that there are isolated incidents across the state where a parent from either side of the political spectrum might be concerned with the way uh, uh, something is presented in class. But what I've always said is that I believe that all of our districts have uh, protocols and procedures in place so that they deal with those at the local level. And, and so far, that's what I've seen um, coming out of the task force. But we're, we're, we continue to uh, um, watch the work of the group. Uh, I expect they're going to be uh, 
recommendations that come out of their next meeting. At least that was the intent, and, and we'll we'll see what those recommend, re- recommendations are. And you know, we're gonna we're we're not gonna rush uh, in terms of uh, putting this policy in place. We want to make sure there's plenty of time. And this goes back to the, the diverse equity and inclusion policy. You know, we're gonna we're gonna make sure we have plenty of time for public input. And frankly, I, I want to see what the task force says and hear their recommendations before we uh, we finalize things. Um, so we, we want to be respectful of, of their work and, and we continue to follow closely. What has been your overall impression of what's being talked about by the task force and, and how the task force is approaching this issue? Because fundamentally, they're viewing it differently than you. I mean, you, you don't feel like there's a systemic problem here. There are members of the task force who fairly clearly think that this is a bigger problem. I am sensitive to the concern around teaching our kids that America isn't a, a great country and, uh, that, and that we're teaching our kids to only focus on the negative parts of our history. So I, 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 I understand that, neg- neg- uh, that narrative and uh, I'm concerned about that as well. I, I do think that narrative is, uh, is prevalent in many parts of our country. Uh, there are places um, in, in across the country where I think uh, some of these topics uh, around critical race theory have, in my mind, gone, gone too far. So I'm, I am uh, uh, sensitive to, to what it is they're uh, discussing on a national level. I, I just don't believe it's a major problem in Idaho. And uh, I've seen no evidence that it is from what's been presented at the task force. Um, that's not to say they haven't pro- provided two or three examples, but, and I haven't seen the results. I know they've had a public document, you know, they've had a document where they've been collecting. So maybe, maybe I'll see something in the last meeting where I say, wow, this is a bigger issue than I thought. But I, I just don't uh, believe it's a major issue here. Um, if, if there are things we can do to prevent Idaho from, from being like other parts of the country, I'm, I'm open to that. Um, but I think we're a, a pretty darn conservative state. I think our educators are, uh, are talented professionals who, who, who are doing the right thing in the classroom. And, and, uh, and I think we have great school boards that uh, uh, oversee our, our schools. Let me shift in the final couple of minutes to a topic that I, I go back to when you were first named president and you lamented that the 2021 session was focused a lot on these social issues and not as much about learning loss. And here we spent 15 minutes talking about Delta variant and critical race theory and indoctrination and not about learning loss. How do you assess where we are right now and how do you focus the conversation on learning loss issues that we know are there? Oh, they're there. Um, Some of the data, every kid in Idaho has has had some level of interrupted learning. and you have to go back to the spring of the 1920 school year, right? We basically shut schools down spring break of 2020. No kids were in school. And then last year, um, you know, many schools, particularly our larger districts, uh, had huge gaps in in-person instruction. Um, so there has been interrupted uh, learning and unfinished learning. Um, I got to give credit, though, to our school districts and school boards. Our, our kids were in school more than most places in the country. And, uh, you know, when you look at some of the data, like the IRI data for this year, you know, we, it, we did take a, a step back, but it's not what I would say an unrecoverable step back. You know, the IRI, I, I was pretty darn encouraged by uh, the IRI data and think with some targeted interventions, we can uh, get caught up uh, pretty quickly. We are 
there's a group right now uh, led by uh, the governor's office with state board member Dr. Clark um, really looking at this topic, and we're really starting to focus in on three critical areas. One is to continue to focus on K, we're calling it K-4 literacy, mm -hmm. with a recognition that there were third third graders uh, had interrupted learning. So if we take their, so K-4 literacy, five to nine math, because there's a belief that, you know, in five through nine math, those topics really build on one another. So if you have gaps, it can create real problems when you get to the secondary level. And then in the secondary school, it's really taking a hard look at credit recovery, because we know the numbers of uh, Ds and Fs, um, just because of, you know, a lot of kids struggle to stay engaged. And we've, so we've got to address that issue. But those are sort of the top three, if you ask me what I'm, we're keeping an eye on what's going to come out of the indoctrination task force. We're very concerned about what's going on with Delta and the impact of the fall. But if you want to, what we're really thinking about as a state board is how do we deal with that uh, unfinished or interrupted learning in those three areas. And, and in three areas that, these aren't new problems. I mean, literacy, math, credit recovery. I mean, these are things that you're concerned with as a board before the virus came along. Absolutely, and, and the uh, and the pandemic's just just magnified that but um, we're gonna we're gonna stay laser focused on those three issues try to get the conversation during this legislation back on, on those types of topics and uh, and try to move the state forward lastly what are you seeing right now out of the summer the, the summer learning loss programs that the state put money into I, yeah I I haven't seen any data yet Kevin on that I mean that will be something uh, that we're looking at um, that's, I mean, looking at the metrics, understanding what worked from a terms of a summer enrichment standpoint is going to be important. The other one that we're going to be pretty focused on is so many kids pivoted. Well, almost all kids had to have some sort of virtual instruction, you know, really trying to understand what was the impact of virtual instruction, particularly for those kids who decided to go to a, a purely virtual delivery, delivery, really understanding what that did to student achievement is going to be an important part of what we look at as well. Well. Kurt, thank you for taking the time to catch us up on this summer. I'm sure we'll be doing this again in a few months, hopefully. Okay, thanks, Gavin. Thanks for talking with us. Again, that was Kurt Liebeck, the president of the State Board of Education, with a brief cameo appearance from State Board Executive Director Matt Freeman. To follow up on the beginning of that interview and what we were talking about with the coronavirus and the Delta variant, obviously this is a big topic for us going forward. Check in with us every week. I will do my blog looking at these numbers. What's happening with the case numbers overall? What's happening with case numbers involving school-aged children or college-aged students? What's happening with vaccination rates? What's happening with hospitalizations? What's happening with that test positivity rate? We will have a weekly blog looking at those numbers, breaking those numbers down. I've been doing this since the spring of 2020, and we're back doing it again because uh, the situation obviously warrants a close look. And keep an eye on Idaho Ed News as we follow what's happening at the school board level. We saw this week some blowback at the Boise School Board meeting over Boise's decision to reinstitute a mask mandate for the fall. We had Caldwell uh, have a lengthy discussion about what to do with masks and opted to continue with a recommendation of mask usage, not a requirement. We'll be watching the school districts, we'll be watching the school boards to see what's happening at the local level. So watch idahoednews.org for the latest on all of that and watch us for all the latest in education policy and education politics. 
Follow us on Twitter at Idaho 8 News. We tweet out our links and any bulletins on breaking news. Follow us on Facebook and join the conversation there. And check back next Friday for another edition of this podcast. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good weekend and stay safe.